Thank you for downloading this in-ear entertainment podcast. You're listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets. Sonnet 147 My love is as a fever, longing still for that which longer nurseth the disease, feeding on that which doth preserve the ill. The certainty, sickly appetite to please, my reason, the physician to my love, angry that his prescriptions are not kept, hath left me, and I, desperate, now approve desire is death, which physic did accept. Past cure I am, now reason is past care, and frantic mad with ever more unrest. My thoughts and my discourse as madmen's are at random from the truth vainly expressed. For I have sworn thee fair, and thought thee bright, who art as black as hell, as dark as night. That was Sonnet 147 of Shakespeare's Sonnets. I am Mark Chatterley, and I am joined, joined as always, by a very neatly shaven... I'm not. I haven't shaved in weeks. Ah, oh, you do look very neatly shaven, though, I have to say. Maybe that's just my natural allure... <laughs> You've switched on the allure. <laughs> oh dear, quoting quoting Miranda in a podcast. That's that's, that's never a bad thing. No, I Pete, some people really really hate um her style of comedy, but I I quite like it. It's old-fashioned comedy. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much the awkward Britishness to yeah. an extreme some or quite often, but yeah. And silliness. Everything is silly and over top. It's a, it's a proper British farce uh, where she looks at the camera in a cheeky way. Oh, who can not love that? Mm. But excellent. Evil that was people. Sonnet... Evil people, that's who. People we don't like. Uh, um, I should apologise to everyone. I do realise that in, in my accent, I say THs as Fs. So, um, and, and it was bugging me today when I was trying to read these next couple of sonnets because they have lots of th sounds in it. And I say th rather than th because they both sound the same to me. Sorry. Weird. Um, but what do you think of Sonic 147? It's a weird one. Just. Ooh. I, I don't wow. know how new the idea of, of having love as a fever was at the time. But from today's point of view, it's. Very overdone. Yeah, there, there's quite a few things in this that are, are similar to that as well. So there's the uh, black as hell, dark as night yeah. phrase as well, which is very stereotypical. But it's hard to understand that because we don't have the cultural history to know whether it was Shakespeare being lazy or not. I I can't imagine Shakespeare being the first person to come up with black as hell and dark as night. I mean... No, and love is a fever. Yeah. It seems, it seems like such an obvious analogy because of that whole, you get hot, your your body temperature rises. It's, you feel weak and yeah. It's, yeah, very, very similar. So it would be unusual if we had gone through all of human history and not until Shakespeare someone compared the two. Yeah. I don't, sometimes well, you have very obvious connections that it just... And the rest of the world just kind of goes, why didn't we see that? But, yeah, that's true. I mean, this we are thousands of years into several different civilizations at this point. 
Yeah. Yeah, and and I, I, I it gives you a very odd reading of the sonnet because it it would definitely if if these are cliche to us now and they weren't back then, possibly because people weren't as wide read. So even if an idea was known, it might have still been novel to some people because mm. they didn't have the. I mean, the information we have at our disposable at our disposal is is insane. Um, so it makes us read the sonnet in a slightly different way, which is a slightly more uh, pastiche, slightly more boring, slightly more overrated, Ray. It kind of, you read it and go, well, there's nothing special in this sonnet. It's just stock poems, mm. stock, mm. stock phrases. There's a wonderful um, poem, and I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it's called to, to to His Coy Mistress. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and and it's it's where all of those phrases, uh, times winged chariots, and and phrases like that come from. There's loads of them in this one poem, and you look at this poem and go, "Well, that's the source of like five really famous phrases." And and then at the time, it must have been mind blowing to have this new concept written down in a new way. But nowadays, we look at it, and, and it makes the poem seem really childish nowadays because it just looks piecemeal like like you've got a one of those fridge magnet poetry sets but with phrases rather than words fridge poetry is awesome i don't think i've ever done fridge poetry <gasps> you've never i'm buying when you when you when you move house as your next warm and in gift you'll get, get gift you're getting fridge poetry then I usually just well, if if people do have letters on their fridge, I usually just leave insults. You can get if you go to uh, Stratford upon Avon, you can get the Shakespeare insult fridge uh, sticky things, <laughs> and it has all of Shakespeare's or some of his Shakespeare's insults. I'm pretty, I saw I, I saw some because that's the little shop next to his house. Is is yes. the, the house where he grew up in, not the one where you live with Anne Hathaway. I'm pretty sure they had like several different. You could like, um, you could have ties with either his love things on or his insults on and his more comedy stuff on. And that would be awesome to go to work in a Shakespeare tie that just insulted people because people would look at you and go, "Oh, look, he's really intellectual. He likes Shakespeare." And it's only on closer inspection that they would notice it was all that you realise it's all insults. Yeah, do you bite your thumb at me? Oh, I love that insult. Do you bite your thumb at me, sir? I bite my thumb, sir. But do I bite it at you, sir? I do not know, sir. Or something along those lines. I'm terribly misquoting <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, but oh, such an awesome insult. And my teacher, I just, I've got this image of my old English teacher stood at the front of the class when everyone's going, "Why is what what?" And he's going, "Bite your thumb," and he's doing this action, and we're just going, I, "I'm not quite sure why that is insulting." Yeah. Well, I guess. <clears throat> what it's about showing someone the middle finger. Yeah, it's yeah. All or, or just cultural. Or the phrase, your mother. Which apparently is a massive insult. And it's like, okay, my mm. mother what? <laughs> yeah. It's Very, just... We, insults, language is weird and wonderful and beautiful and scary. I don't think I've ever heard anyone apart from a chav use the phrase, your mum. I used, I used to work in a corner shop and there was this one, uh, she was much older than me, I must have been about 18, no, 17, 18 at the time, and she would have been about 23, 24, but she was a really kind of drugged up 
kind of 23, 24 year old, quite skanky. And one day after work, she jumped in this random person's car and they drove off. And her dad came in the next day going, have you seen her? Where has she gone? So I said, well, after work yesterday, she got into this blue car and drove away. And he went, oh, and then she came back. She missed two shifts and then she came in for the next one with me. And went mental at me. Why did you tell my dad I went off with this person? It's like, because he asked. And then she spent the rest of the shift we were on. She wouldn't talk to me. She, Whenever she walked past me, she'd just look at me and go, your mum, your mother. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on here. I just, I, I don't know. It's like, yes, yes, my mother did an exquisite job of raising me. Thank you very much. Thank you. I shall forward I sh- the compliment to her. <laughs> I wish I was that sarcastic in real life to people, but I, I'm so scared of other people. I could never do that. Yeah. I don't think I care enough about other people. <laughs> You're just, you're just this really weird mix of like narcissist and 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 self confidence and, and cynic mixed together. It's just, it, <clears throat> I guess it's the whole British people always being nice and and dear God, we can't let anyone know what we are really thinking. Sort of. No, no, it's we just... have to. Yeah, though emotions are personal and should be experienced with oneself. Unless you are drunk. Unless you're drunk. That's the only time you're allowed to express emotions. Yeah. I think that's fair. Do you not? It's really weird. It's a pretty unhealthy um, way to be, to just keep all your um, expectations, all your emotions bottled up. Well, you're 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 European. You're you're used to like kissing people three times when you first meet them when you say hello. That's just the complete opposite. It's like hello, nice to meet you for the first time. Now kiss me. Yeah, on the cheek, not on the mouth. <laughs> it's still in the face. <laughs> you get. I mean, it's it's quite an important part of your body. Your face. Yeah, arguably any part of your body is an important part. It would be weirder if it was on the hip. Just like, could you could you just <laughs> lift your shirt a bit so I can greet you properly? Oh, that would be amazing. Just, just you, just kind of. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Very weird. Um, we should talk about the sonnets some more. We got slightly off track. I I do like um the line, "My reason, the physician to my love, angry that his prescriptions are not capped, hath left me." It's just a kind of my 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 logic, my my mind keeps telling me do this, just just get away from her, and I refuse to listen, and and now it's just given up. <laughs> you can now, just do now, whatever the hell you want. Just go and hurt yourself. Yeah, it, it's it, it is a giving up. It, Shakespeare in this seems to have given up, and especially I like the the. Um, link of his mind to physicians as well because physicians at the time wouldn't have been well respected Uh, it's only relatively recently doctors have become well respected physicians i mean they were the people who would dip your they'd hack a piece of your leg off without anesthetic and then dip it in boiling tar to seal the wound and things like that is or put boiling rags around it and it was all a bit hit and miss doctors were back then well because a lot of the stuff we just didn't know. Yeah, is, you have to start somewhere, and why not? Why not start by chopping off the wrong leg? We still do that today. They still chop off the wrong leg. I, yeah, yeah. That's 
and it's really interesting when you see the patients because I mean nowadays if you're having an operation on a part of you where there are two of them doctors will come in and they they mark you up with marker pen while you're awake so if you're having your right kidney out they will pull up your top and they will draw around your right kidney with a little arrow and dotted lines for where they cut and things like that and and partly it's so that the patient can go no no it's the left kidney you're operating on and they go oh yeah of course and then do that but when you people have the wrong kidney taken out when they're asked why didn't you tell the doctor it's like well i presume they knew what they were doing it's like they were drawing cut hair lines on the wrong side of your body oh well i just presumed they knew what they were doing see then i would speak out yeah but then that's largely been my experience here with um with NHS GPs, when I did come in and I used some technical, um, some medical jargon and explained stuff in a, I don't know, not, not a, oh, it, it's, I have a boo-boo here, if I use slightly more complicated terms. They've just always looked down on me. And then yeah. still just, oh, do you have a boo-boo? Just kind of went, used the patronising terms and just, and she's like, well, we've clearly established... <laughs> That I know the jargon. Can can we not talk like babies here? <laughs> yeah, I, I I have something because I have various illnesses. I tend to I like knowing as much as I can, so I know a lot of the more technical things. And, and to the point where, because I have a rare disease, I'm I, I'm more knowledgeable than GPs in my specific area. My GP listens to me when I tell him what medication I need and things like that. Um, but when I go and see my specialists. They would go, does your tummy hurt? It's like, oh, I, I understand things like portal hypertension. And uh, it's just, you don't have to use tummy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Again, we've gone off track. We're terrible. We are terrible. Well, we, we're talking about diseases. Yeah, I this, mean, this kind of fits. No one has mentioned Tom Cruise in a while, so we're doing well. <laughs> Uh, I don't even has he done anything recently there's a sci-fi film coming out with him really the edge of tomorrow he's making another sci-fi film yeah because the first one was so good (laughs) (laughs) why would you cast him it's like really bizarre I mean you have to build sets with two heights one so you can film him so he looks like a normal human and then one with all the backing people and then merging together (laughs) The the problem I, well I say prop the, the the issue I have with the whole Tom Cruise thing is that he is actually a good actor, as as much as I despise him for anything that he is as a human, if he is a human and not some weird monster sent to destroy the planet. Yeah, he is actually a good actor c- compared okay. to a lot of many of the other celebrities that. Are on screen. He he can't actually. You you believe his characters. It's just he is very small, which can't really do much about. And 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 he's an incredibly stupid man. Although saying that, he might not even be stupid. I mean, he is very high up the chain in Scientology. Yeah, to the uh, point where you kind of go, he's more. I mean, he's his best friend is the puppet master. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think part of that is though is that it's just like uh, 
it's it's a secret society in the sense that if if when if you want to make it big in Hollywood, you need mm. to know the right people. Because a lot of, of getting jobs, it isn't just on talent. Otherwise, we'd get more new talent in lead roles in, in movies. It's not that. It's about who you know. You know so-and-so is putting on a movie. You've got a movie idea. You need funding. So you need to go <coughs> to the right partings and the parties and the right networking events that have these other people in. And Scientology is so ingrained into Hollywood culture now that it's a wonderful way to get access to all those people. And for a for a actor, it's just an expense. You pay thirty grand to the the didantics, di- whatever it's called. Yeah, the hold the sticks and then. Yeah, you you pay your thirty grand to that, and that gets you access to all the Scientologists for a year. And you go along and you meet Tom Cruise at a party, and you're both in the same secret society. And all of a sudden, you're writing his next movie, or you're you're playing second fiddle to him in the next sci-fi movie. It's it's just a networking group. Is I'm fairly sure to Hollywood, not to the rest of the world. I mean, they do yeah. some in, some horrific stuff. <laughs> yes, yeah, they do, um, and they tend to hunt down ex-members and and harass. Well, the them. fact that um, is he called David something, the puppet master, the dude at the top. That the fact that his wife just spoke out publicly against Scientology and then vanished, and no one has seen <laughs> her for years. She's just gone. That's quite terrifying. It's just. That is actually quite terrifying. Maybe they, oh yeah, not good. Let's 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 ignore um, conspiracy. Let's let's avoid conspiracy theories. I shouldn't have mentioned Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, no, we're now we're now going to have people turn up and want to measure our personalities on our doorstep. That's that's fine. Um, <clears throat> I I like in this this sonnet. Go back to the sonnet that it you mentioned about Shakespeare giving up. So he's now, I think, coming to terms with his love for the dark lady, who he sees, he still sees as a negative, uh, a negative influence in his life, and sees her as a negative, in a negative way. It's it, she's not kind, she's not loving, or at least we've not been told she's kind and loving. She is dark and evil, black as hell and dark as night. I don't think we will be told that she's lovely. No, because even if she, in the same way that I, I, it's the opposite. I really like the comparison with the with the fair youth and the the way that Shakespeare admitted the fair youth did horrible things, but by virtue of him of the fair youth doing the horrible things, it made those horrible things good because the fair youth did it. Yeah, and it's, I think the opposite with the dark lady is that even if the dark lady were to give all her money to charity, it would still be an evil deed because the dark lady did it. He would find a way to make that bad. Yeah, in in the same way that he he he, it's that whole. Doesn't he keep going back to the in the fair youth? He kept on going back to the my heart and my eye are in. They see yeah, different things. They see different things, and then yeah, because that's an analogy we haven't had yet in the in these in the the dark lady. Whether he goes back to that heart eye metaphor, which would be quite interesting. Well, I mean, in this one, it it appears to be reason versus the fever the love yeah lust i suppose would be the fever maybe yeah i don't just it's it's the whole love and being in love and two completely different things and 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 states of mind i guess he's talking more about the being in love here because you don't that there is not the, the fever kind of 
goes away when when the in love goes away. Love is more like a sustained sustained. Cold. Yeah, it's like an auto. Love is like an autoimmune disease, and and lust is like a fever. Well, the being in love is the you get the sweaty and you get the shaky legs and the butterflies and all that kind of stuff. That that's why yeah. so many people break up after two three years because the love think- has gone away and you just kind of go no. No, the, the the actual love bid. You you didn't ever get to that bid. Yeah, yeah. The 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 linking of two people. It's. Uh, I was saying before we started recording, my other half's going away for a week next week, and the idea of being on my own for a week is. I I don't think I've been on my own for a week, in uh, away from him for a week in a long time. It's it's going to be really really strange. Like ten years, my whole life has just been coupled to this one person, and then to be on my own for a whole week it, it is really quite uh, not frightening. Frightening is the wrong word, but I could see why people would describe it as frightening. It's more not normal. Yeah, yeah, it's abnormal, I guess, and that's what I imagine grief is. Not I've never really gone through that separation of grief, but I imagine grief isn't well to begin with. It's this heart-wrenching despair. Yeah, it just starts with just unimaginable but, pain. But I imagine that fades, because pain always does, and just becomes this absence. And and it would be so weird to to live in the same house that you ha- you shared with this other person for a long period of time and not have them here. Like, there's the, the, the next room over is, is where he works. If he wasn't here anymore... And like next week when he's not here, I've got no reason to go in that room. That room doesn't exist in my sort of mental map of the house because that's his room. That's where he does his workshoppy stuff. I it's not anything to do. With, it's really bizarre. Yeah, the, the yeah I can see that. The only time you would ever go in there is like I'm putting a kettle on. Do you want a tea? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. So it's it's very very strange. But yeah, um, that was a weird deviation into how love links in with grief they're essentially not the same feeling but I mean I guess when your other half does go away to a certain extent it is not full blown grief but it is that kind of I can't say the same feeling. It's very similar. It's just that your daily routine, everything you do in your day is just tuned to this other person being there. And you're still... You're not going to change within a week. Your daily routine isn't going to... Well, you might be a slob and then just... It'll come back in a week and all the house will just be in chaos kind of thing. (laughs) No dishes be done kind of thing. But... Most normal people don't don't change their daily routine. You you're not gonna, I don't know. Suddenly take over his room and just empty it all out and and spread no, no. out all your stuff, kind of thing. And it's just you might still walk past that room every. Well, it's right across the hallway, so you're still gonna walk past that room if you go downstairs to make a coffee. But you can't go in there and ask him if he wants one too. And it's that kind of... Yeah, the absence, as you said, it's, it's that missing. 
Yeah, and that constant reminder that they're no longer that there. That they're not there, yeah. As much Very... as, in this case, you know that he's probably got to come back. Yeah. There's some really pretty people in London. <laughs> not as pretty as me, though. Yeah, yeah. Gloucester shows where is that? For, <laughs> for the gay marks. <laughs> Gloucestershire. Cheltenham's okay, but not Gloucestershire. I don't. And I, I've I've seen a bit of Gloucester and a bit of Cheltenham. I can't really. And also, I don't really look out for men. No. Well, you should. They're far more interesting. But that might be my opinion. <laughs> um, but the, I mean, the reason we're talking about this is it is it's those similar feelings in the in the sonnet. Just to bring it back to the sonnet, the the, the fever and the the giving up. He's given up to love. I think, or given up to being in love. And and I think that's quite nice in a way. In a, in a way, this sonnet is kind of very charged sexually. Again, a lot of these ones seems quite aggressive and sexual. Um, but I, I, it feels like he's kind of gone. I he's compared loving the dark lady to a sickness, and now he's kind of saying, "I'm just letting it take me," which I quite like. Which is I can relate to that. I mean, I've definitely had that kind of being in love where you just not because in that case it was an african-american woman just that you might have reasons why you fight a feeling yeah whatever they may be and then eventually you just it, it, it might be so strong or so powerful that you just you run out of strength and willpower and you just kind of yeah you give up you just kind of go it's gonna pass eventually, and and for now, I might just, I'm just gonna take it. Yeah, that makes well, that makes perfect. The way this is going, he's probably gonna end up murdering her. <laughs> a, um, crime of, yeah. is it crime of passion? They call that. A cri- yeah, crime of passion. Yeah. Bizarre. Um, I think you should read us out on this one. I shall do. <clears throat> Sonnet 147 My love is as a fever longing still For that which longer nurseth the disease Feeding on that which doth preserve the ill The uncertain sickly appetite do please My reason, the physician to my love Angry that his prescriptions are not kept Hath left me, and I desperate now approve Desirous death which physic did accept Past care I am, now reason is past care and frantic mad with evermore unrest, my thoughts and my discourse as madmen's are, and random from the truth vainly expressed. For I have sworn thee fair, and thought thee bright, who art as black as hell, as dark as night. Absolutely brilliant. That was Sonnet 147 of Shakespeare's Sonnets. I have been Mark Chasley, and you can follow me on Twitter at inearent. And I have been... T- I didn't actually say my name when we began. You didn't? I, no, no. I have been... Uh, people should know. I have been Thierry Healers, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sound of Seagulls. Excellent. And we shall see you again next time for Sonnet 148. So close to the end. So close. Bye-bye. Bye.
You've been listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets with Mark Chatterley and Thierry Hellis. This has been an In-Ear Entertainment podcast. To listen to other podcasts or find out more about In-Ear Entertainment, go to www.inearentertainment.com.